Welcome to the our first ever podcast here at EA Sports. I'm your host, Anj, and... I'm Ethan. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and I'm super excited to be starting this whole uh, whole process with you guys. So, Ethan, how did we get get end up here? I mean, this is our first one. What? How, how did the idea start? I, I don't really remember. You know what? <laughs> I think it bloomed in your head, and frankly, I am super excited to be one of the people that you asked. Um, being both uh, good sports minds like we are, I feel like we can give good insight to people about what's going around today in the news. Yeah, I've been super excited about this for a couple months now. We've been getting the the details done, and now finally, feels like it's been a while since we've been planning this. It starts, so I'm really excited. Me as well. Yeah. All right. So, Ethan, I'd like you just to say, you know, just about yourself, how old you are, what, what do you do? Okay, what? so... Thanks th- Thanks for asking, Anj. So, frankly, I'm uh, going to my sophomore year of high school, go Canton, Canton High School. Uh, I play baseball and basketball, big into baseball, huge baseball fan. Try yeah. to go to a few Tigers games a year. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I frankly love, just one thing, I love to try every sport at least once. Right, cricket, <clears throat> tennis, hockey, even some of the unorthodox sports. Just to give it one try, maybe you'll find something you love, right? Um, yeah, both of us are from a little town outside Detroit called Canton. Yeah. I go to Salem High School, go Rocks, and I play basketball and tennis, you know. You know, me and Ethan met, I think we were in, like, the sixth grade. We've been friends, I think, ever since then, and we've really just, uh, we both of us have a really big, passionate love of sports, and when, I guess, the idea popped into my head, um, I really thought there was only one other person I could think of myself doing this with and i saw and i thought of ethan oh thank you Anj. i hope i won't let you down through this process if you do then you're gone sorry you're done (laughs) we're excited though we're excited i can't believe we're just recording this in my basement like hopefully we can actually get somewhere to record this (laughs) (laughs) okay so first off we're going to start in the tennis news today at wimbledon in the second round nadal played kakushkin of kazakhstan i believe and he won 6-4 6-3 6-4 straight set victory so that's and, a good win for Nadal early uh, early in the tournament. I think that's a very good win. Nadal, there are a lot of questions coming into the tournament that he'd not play um, any like real competitive grass court tennis just to get a rest before Wimbledon. So, do you think that might affect him a little bit? Considering he didn't get much, he got some like exhibition matches, but he didn't get real like competition. You know, frankly, you and I play on we play on that um, on that on the court in our neighborhood, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a hard surface. Yeah, and for me. And for all of us who don't play on grass very often, I think the transition would be extremely difficult. It's not like any surface you, you play on, and that could be maybe the downfall in the tournament. Nadal, I think Nadal is known more for clay, and clay just tends to have that higher bounce. It's a slower surface. Grass yes. a little faster. Nadal's serve, I think, averages are in the, in the mid is around 115 miles an hour. So. And how does that rank like in the whole spectrum of, well, of tennis? It's a, I'd say it's a lower-end serve because lower many end. many players kind of serve in like the 120-ish range. Okay. Like I can tell you Roger Federer serves in like the 125 range. Yeah, and that's and that, it's a, it's a that's big serve. Quick. Yeah, huh. it's a quick serve. And yeah, Federer plays tomorrow against Struff of Germany, so I think that should be an easy win for him considering Federer here today fighting for his eighth no, eighth or ninth Wimbledon title. I, I'll have to get back what, on that. So what What was his world rank coming into the tournament? His world rank coming into the tournament was two, but Wimbledon kind of runs at its own little pace, so okay. he's one in the tournament rank. Nice. Wonderful. And, well, good luck. Good yeah. luck. A little more news on Federer. We saw at the beginning of the tournament, Federer signed a $300 million deal <laughs> to switch from Nike, his spo- a longtime sponsor since 1996, I believe, oh and gosh. gets a 10-year contract with Uniqlo, a Japanese company. 
And so how do you feel about the signing? That's <laughs> it? Only $300 million? Oh, my yeah, gosh. No, no that, that's ridiculous. Just looking at the spectrum, I don't know if 300 is a lot for tennis. It is. But it's like, quite a bit for, like, a clothing a clothing brand. So, yeah. it, so it's a clothing brand yes. um, contract. Yes. Um, like, you don't really see that very much, like, in uh, baseball or uh, basketball. basketball. Yeah. You don't really see these clothing contracts that pay so much money. Yeah. Right? Federer had been with Nike for a while. His contract was up. There's a lot of questions on who he was going to sign with. And I think that Uniqlo guy will give him a lot of money. So there you go. Can't yeah. argue. Money talks. Yeah, money, money talks. Money talks all the time. Yeah. And let's go into a little bit of uh, basketball. Yes. I mean, I'm, we're a little bit behind since it's our first. But LeBron James signed a one, four-year, one hundred and fifty-four million dollar deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. I did not see that coming on. Frankly, the Lakers, after their season, after that kind of disappointing season there, mm-hmm. uh, I would not think LeBron would go to them. But you know what that says. With, with the Shaq and the Kobe there, that whole era, they built a name in Los Angeles. Yeah. And now that Laker name pulls in people. Even if they had a disappointing season, it still pulls in the big names, and then LeBron goes to the Lakers. That's something. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I saw this coming because I actually heard um, a quote from Dwayne Wade. He was on a podcast, I think. Yeah. And he was saying that LeBron's not really going to chase a ring this time around like he did, I think, when he went to Miami in 2014 or when he came back to Cleveland. So this is a four-year deal. So how old will LeBron be after this deal is completed? Right now, I believe LeBron is around is around 33 years of age. So he'll be around uh, 37. Which I actually read a quote or something that LeBron will be um, at the end of his contract year when his son can declare for the draft. Really? Yeah. So I I don't know. I feel I've heard from I think uh, I was I believe I've heard this many times on a podcast I listened to a very good podcast Jill and Jacoby. You know, please, Shout out to them. Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I heard it on that podcast that um, LeBron – what was I saying? Sorry, <laughs> I lost my spot. Not chasing a ring. His, no. his son coming into the draft. Yeah, that LeBron was going to – yeah, that – yeah, sorry. Son coming into the draft. Can't, you can't count on me to pick you up every time. Sorry. Yeah, but they're saying that – they were all saying that LeBron will play at least until his son comes to the NBA, which – There you go. I think he's going to play with the son, you know. I'm stealing that how, from... How much of a memorable moment would that be? Son and father. How many times has that actually happened in NBA yeah, history? I mean, the great. I, in my opinion, the, the, the greatest of all time and his son playing side by side. I mean, that, that's amazing. Well, the greatest of all time, that's another argument for a different show. But We'll talk about that later. We'll get into that. We'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Um, well, I thought the NBA would have been fixed since LeBron went to L.A., but then, you know, DeMarcus Cousins just ruined it again, signed a one-year... $5.3 million You know, that kind of makes me upset, frankly. I had so much respect for DeMarcus Cousins. He is just a wonderful player. He's a big who can shoot it. And I thought he was a perfect fit uh, with the Pelicans. They were very competitive. And I think having DeMarcus Cousins there for a full, healthy season with Anthony Davis. And didn't they just add Julius Randle? Yes. I actually read the Julius Randle news and. Once that happened, I figured that I think DeMarcus Cousins was gone. Because yeah. I didn't understand personally why the Pelicans would sign Randall when they had Cousins. But then I realized, okay, I think Cousins is probably gone. I didn't expect him to sign with the Warriors, quite frankly. But there was a claim that I read the day later that no one was offering a contract. But then there was another claim that the Pelicans, I think, during the playoffs, or not during the playoffs, but had offered him a two-year extension for $40 million. And you know what that tells me? You know, like, all these people that go out there, like, severe weather chasers, tornado yep. chasers? This is a sh- this is just a clear cut. He's a ring chaser. Yep. That's what he's doing. He takes $5.3 million to go one year at the Warriors. He is strictly going for a ring. 
he does that. Pretty much, he is putting his um, ego in right. front of in front I, of anything else. It's it's kind of sad, yeah. in my opinion. Cousins, if uh, you don't know, has never played a playoff game in his life. He spent really most of his the beginning of his career with the Kings, then came to <laughs> New Orleans, and then he got injured sadly last season. He probably won't be playing until after the All Star break, according to sources, but. So can you kind of give me like the approximate uh, starting lineup for the Warriors with Cousins? Well, with Cousins, it would be Curry, Thompson, Durant, Green, Cousins. So I want to ask you this question. How much, what, what percentage do you think that every member of the Warriors' starting cast will be an all-star? What do you, how likely do you think that is? Because they have a really it's, good starting rotation. It's quite, I don't think Cousins, because this year he's not going to be playing the whole season. But if Cousins comes back, it is quite possible that yeah. I feel four out of five of them will be an all-star. Four and, out of five? It, and it's might even possible that all of them become an all-star because it's just insane that they have a have they have a, a starting lineup with every player has been an all-star at least one time. Yes. That they have a stacked starting lineup. I am mm-hmm. expecting another they ring. They lost they lost JaVale McGee to the Lakers, but I mean they got a good replacement, so I mean very true. Very That's good. very true. Yeah. Well, if you're if we're finished basketball, I say we go into the realm of baseball I have here. Two more things, and I promise we can go. To okay. Well, I'll, I I'm can sorry. wait. I can wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So Paul George, uh, the beginning of free agency, signed a three plus one contract, so a four year contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder, re-signing for 137 million dollars. I like that deal. I think he was a good fit in OKC. Okay. And right. Um, pardon? Right. Yeah. I think he was a great fit. Um, I just think that. You saw, like, you, you look you can look at their rotation. You saw Westbrook, George, I'm referring to last year, clearly, yes. uh, Carmelo, Adams, and then you look at the record. It did not well, represent Carmelo the Carmelo Anthony, I feel, really underperformed, and I think the Thunder, if I'm the Thunder, I would release him or, like, wave him and then pay him over a long period of time because yeah. Melo is taking up their cap space. He is eating up their cap room for a player who's not worth how much money that he's getting paid I just did not see the chemistry work in there, frankly, in OKC. It's like you get a big three-headed monster, and almost every game, at least one of those players are underperforming right. like horribly. Like I, called, I think I told people, I called the big three in Oklahoma City not Westbrook, George, and Melo, but I called it Westbrook, George, and Adams. I Steven like Steven Adams. Adams is a really great center. I think, you know, although they did lose James Harden getting his pick, that's still, a, I mean, not like, I'd say that's not a replacement, but it's a pretty good consolation. I agree. I, think, I mean, Adams is insanely good. He's definitely above average he center. Can, he can rebound best. Him and Westbrook have a pick and roll game that I feel might be the best in the NBA. Him and Westbrook have Even a better than Harden Capella. They do have a very good they one going there in Houston. Game, but I don't know. I feel that Westbrook and Adams is a little better. Well, there we Adams. go. And so. If the LeBron news was enough for the Lakers, Lonzo Ball really really said he had a knee injury. But the Lakers Mm. believe his camp released the injury to reduce trade talks or to make him untradeable. Do you believe this? Frankly, I think I have higher expectations for the NBA and for the Los Angeles Lakers not to lie about an injury in someone's health. I think that is extremely immature and just... uh, that, that, that's not what I think of when I think of NBA basketball. I think of people going out there, giving it their all, and taking the court every single day that they're healthy. And if they are using right. this card, this injury card, as an excuse to take down trade talks, yeah. that is very immature for the, do you the think, Lakers. But do you think that's what's happening? Do you think that's what the Lonzo Ball camp is doing? Do you think that they released the injury to kind of reduce trade talks? 
you know, I haven't really been um, fully um, into this issue. I haven't followed it very frequently, so I would hope not, but that might be what they're doing. I, I actually personally think that's what's happening. I mean, really, that's that just seems like Lonzo Ball, he underperformed last season. I mean, he's not a scorer by any means. I think no. I knew that. I mean, I think people who won the NBA expect him to be like a full-time scorer and like Dropping thirty a game, like he's—that's not the that's game not he realistic. is. On draft night, I remember I was watching draft night. Jalen Rose made a very good comparison. People were saying like Jason Kidd or Rajon Rondo. I—they compared him to Ricky Rubio, and that's a—that's a, a excellent comparison because Rubio is a pass-first point guard. I mean, this season Rubio—I mean—had his best season of his career easily. I loved Rubio this season. The Jazz, one of my favorite teams to watch. I mean, being a Pistons fan that didn't have much to cheer for this season. I, I, whenever a jazz game was on, I tuned in because I loved watching Donovan Mitchell. I loved watching Ricky Rubio. And now I'm just going to add a little topic that's not I mean, even on the sheet. What do you think? What, which teams are most promising? I mean, like young teams. Yeah. I am really liking what, what's going on in Boston. Oh, Boston. I'm just loving it. We Brad, got. I'm going to make a prediction. Brad Stevens is the next Greg Popovich. He is a great coach, super intelligent. Yeah. He just, when he's out there, his whole physique, he knows what he's doing. Right. And he can run a team that might even be a little subpar, and he can really compete. I love Al Horford, great player, really is emerging into a really high-caliber all-star. We're going to get Gordon Hayward back, hopefully. Hopefully strong. Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. Yeah. Brown. Just, I mean... I think they can go for a ring competing right next to the Warriors. I would tell my brother every year, like, I would just be like, you know, sometimes I'm watching the, the Celtics, and then, like, I, of course, you know, sadly, Gordon Hayward got injured. But then you just realize, like, they have Gordon Hayward, and you haven't even seen what he does Exactly, yet. and that's, look how they competed without him. That's scary. I mean, that's scary, considering that, they, that Gordon Hayward didn't play last season, and Kyrie Irving played, like, maybe a little bit of the season, considering he had a lot of injury. But that's just insane that they made the Eastern So now my final. question is for you, Ange. How many all-stars, how many of these players will be all-stars between Horford, Irving, Hayward, Mm -hmm. Tatum, and Brown? How many of them will be all-stars next year? I think, I mean, I don't think Tatum will be an all-star unless they move him to the two. Because Hayward is clearly going to start no matter what. Correct. Because, um... He should. Yeah. He has a track record. And one thing I read, and I'm kind of going off topic. One thing I read was that... The you know how you know rookie hazing right? Have you seen those like? No, the, I haven't. Yeah, so sometimes like you know the older veterans will mess with rookies. You know, just like yeah, haze okay. Them. So I got you. Brass even actually like banned that on his team, which I actually personally like because it made everyone an equal. That's classy. and I think that's what that is wonderful. I, I like think that. that's what made um Tatum and Brown perform because they were they were on equal playing field. They weren't treated as rookies. They wouldn't have to hold bags. They didn't have to get things. They were just treated on equal playing field. Aunt, you and I know we were both freshmen last year. Yeah. And it kind of the whole just a, <laughs> oh, kind of just the whole feeling around there is like picking on the freshmen, right? Right. But what Brad Stevens did took that out of the equation and everyone's an equal. Right. You know what I'm saying? That is such a classy move and that is just that's brilliant. I love it. I love what he's doing there in Boston. Yeah, I mean, Brad Stevens, like like I said, I mean, you saw there are some three players. I think that's a clear sign. Three players left that team last year. I mean, like, the three, like, main pairs, players. Thomas, yeah. Crowder, and I'm missing one. I'm missing one. Crowder, I'm missing one. Whatever. I can think of uh, those two. Oh, right? Avery Bradley. Right. And Bradley. Right. Um, And you really saw that those guys struggled. And I think it really is like you go into that – um. Brad Stevens' system, and you come out, I think 
That system was set for Isaiah Thomas because in that system, Isaiah Thomas did not need to play defense. When he had Bradley played the defense yes, for him. Before other players that were around Thomas could play excellent defense. Bradley, excellent defender. Crowder. Crowder, excellent defender. They even had Amir Johnson, who's a pretty good defender, and then Al Horford, who's a really good defender. Yeah. So you didn't have to play much defense on that team, and that's what that's why I think Isaiah Thomas excelled. Because he didn't have to play the defense, and they had a lot of players around him who were able to help on that, and that's why the Celtics did so well with Isaiah. Well, that's what Curry does, too. Thompson, they say, takes the harder assignment to allow Stephen Curry to focus to be offensively minded. Yeah, and... So poor, poor you, Clay. But and look at the number he's still putting up offensively with the tougher assignment. Yeah, usually I'm the person who's who's um, taking the defense off. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that, aren't yeah, you? We'll go with that. <laughs> okay, we'll go to baseball now. Wonderful. So this is right in my wheelhouse here, and kind of getting in. This year actually was something really special. The All Star break actually falls in later in the season. Most teams actually already have over half their games in. What was the reason for that? Do you know? You know, I think it was just scheduling. They started us actually earlier mm-hmm. compared, uh, than, than usual years. Yes. So I kind of just want to look at all-star balloting, and I'm going to read you two players that are like head-to-head, neck-and-neck at their position, and these are going to come down to the wire on their votes, all right? Mm-hmm. So people listening, if, if any of you hear a name that you like and they're on the, on the bubble... We need to vote for him because we need to get him in the All-Star game, right? Right. So I'm going to read you these lists here. For a catcher in the National League, we have Wilson Contreras at 1,683,000 votes. And right behind him, the veteran, probably in my opinion, the best catcher in the game, Buster Posey, is actually behind Contreras. Who would you say deserves this nod? Who does Contreras play for? He's Just... at the Cubs. He's for the Cubs. Uh, what's the Cubs record? Or who's better, Cubs or Giants? I would say right now the Cubs have been performing a little bit better than the Giants, but you know it, this one can yeah. go. This one can go any way, and I, frankly, maybe Contreras maybe deserves this one. Young player performing very nicely. Next one, we're going to second base right. in the National League. I know these ones a little better. Have you heard of Ozzy Albies for the Braves? No, this no, guy is a power. He's on a power tear. He is. And look at the Braves. You know what place they're in? The Braves are in they're first in place. First place. I, I playing that. the Nationals and the Phillies. Yeah, this I is mean. crazy. Then you have Javier Baez. You obviously know him know. coming right behind Albies and Scooter Jeanette for the Reds. Very surprised. Actually, I went. In, I went to see a Reds game for one of my baseball tournaments, and I saw Jeanette play, and he is just an electrifying player. Who's, in my opinion, one of the best. Uh, one of the best second basemen in the National League. So that one can go hmm. either way as well. Yeah. In the American League, Jose Abreu is actually the top vote-getter in the American League, followed by Yuli Gurriel for the Astros. Yeah, Gurriel, I just watched him. He's a very good player. I mean, I don't watch that much baseball, but, like, I mean, the games that are on, I see him play. Yeah, and you know that the Astros won the World Series, and he was a huge part of that, and he is... Was he the one who made the, uh, like, going off talk of the racial gesture towards you, Darvish? Yes, Gurriel was the one that made the racial gesture, but... I believe he apologized for it, yeah. and hopefully they just put it all to the side, and yeah. they can just focus on playing baseball. I just, I just, I'll just make sure I remembered the name. Yeah, I thought that was what it was from. Yeah, absolutely, that's a great memory. Then in the American League, we also have shortstop. Both names you've heard of. One name's on the trading block. Manny Machado for the Orioles is the top go-getter, and Carlos Correa is about one hundred thousand votes behind him. Mm-hmm. Who do you think should get the nod, Correa or Machado? Machado. He's proved himself as one of the top uh, shortstops. Yep, shortstop. He plays shortstop. Yep, he's he's very good. I remember um, 
I haven't really watched like baseball as like hard, more contently as I did when the Tigers like were on top of the American League. So I remember that it was Machado. We're still in second place though. Can you believe it? With our record, we're in second place. Oh my know, gosh! But when we were at top of the American <laughs> League, I remember he was a very good player. You know. Yeah. Him, I remember he was just playing amazing. I think we played the Orioles one year in the first round. Yeah. In the wild card, I don't know. We played them. It might have been the wild card. Probably we sucked at that time, anyways. But <laughs> we played them, and I think I remember um, Machado doing very well in that game. Yeah, and then we can go to, and that's actually all the vote getters there. So just looking at that, we can see how much talent is there around the league. It is wonderful to watch. I have been watching very, I've been very focused on baseball this year, mm-hmm. trying to watch as many games as I could, absorb as much knowledge as I can as being a freshman baseball player. Right. And it is just fabulous to watch these new guys coming up and schooling the veterans. How do you feel? Because this can kind of relate to basketball yeah. and hockey and tennis. Yeah. How do you feel about rookies? Rookies, and you know, their participation in the league. Rookies, I think, really make a league. You know, if you have a good class, that's the next star class. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go to back to basketball. The 2003 draft class, that was the next like big batch of stars. Or the 1996 draft class, one the next batch of stars. Or even the 2011 draft class, that had a big batch of stars too. And and I think the one that we just had, one of the best draft classes we've had in a while. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you know what a thing I like about baseball? It's a, it's a lot, it has a lot of parity. The NBA, sadly, just parity isn't a thing anymore. It hasn't been a thing for a while. I think we've seen like at one point the Heat and the Spurs were dominating. At one point the Lakers were and the Lakers were dominating. The Lakers and Spurs. It it's just sad that parity isn't there, and that's the one thing baseball has. Baseball has that parity that um, just, like, you every year you expect a new winner. And yeah. I think we've seen that. I don't think we've had many back-to-back winners since just the Just look Yankees. at the Braves. Yeah, I look mean. Look at the Braves. Look at the Phillies. When was the last time we had back-to-back World Series winners? Was it the Yankees? It The Yankees and the Red Sox had dominance decades ago. But now, just look at it. You get pe- teams re- uh, just surging up up in, in the rankings. And just look at um, the Astros. The yeah. Astros a few years ago, found themselves towards the bottom in the, in the AL stock. West. They were a laughing stock. But in their rebuilding process, we expected that to take a long time. But look at them. They drafted super smart. Yeah. They signed really smart contracts, brought in veterans when they needed to, like Justin Verlander. And look at them. They just won a World Series. And in my opinion, they could win another one very easily this Why year. Why is it that the Tigers trade away every good player? Like, think about it. Verlander, Martinez, Kinsler... All these guys, man. I don't know. I, what know. The, I don't know what the Tigers are doing, but it, it's okay. I, you know, right I now we just have to sit back and just, just trust that our front office and our coaching staff will hopefully put us in a position to we win. Should, I don't know why we years. didn't get Girardi. I mean, we signed some guy. I don't know what. I don't know. We have Garden Hire, and he used to yeah. be, he was a former Minnesota Twins manager. Yeah, but I, I like Girardi. I mean, Girardi is known. Like he had success with the Yankees. He's now broad. He's now broadcasting, and actually, he does um, uh, he does shows on MLB on TV, and he's yeah. a great analyst. And he's a great guy to watch. And now I have another topic for you. We've been kind of talking about modern baseball and kind of what's happening right now. I kind of want to go and just look kind of at the record books. Yeah. We have, I'm, I'm going to give you these three names. And you're going to tell me who you think can rack up the most strikeouts in their career. Okay. We have Justin Verlander. He has currently 2,560 strikeouts. He is 35 years old. He's on a good pace. Most people think he will definitely get to 3,000 strikeouts, which is really the big number. 3,000, if you can get to 3,000, you pretty much paved the way for you, hopefully into Cooperstown. Yeah. Then there's Max Scherzer. You oh, remember Scherzer. playing for the Tigers, 
He has 2,314 strikeouts, and he's only 33. Okay, the, I think Scherzer is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Why? Wow. That's bold. It, I'm, I'm bold, but <laughs> I don't like Scherzer personally because he left the Tigers, but, you know, that's, that's just personal opinion. But, yeah. Yeah, but looking he, at the statistics. He is the best pitcher in baseball. He had that one game, I think, this year, he had like 20 or so strikeouts. He's amazing. He's had a couple of those, and that's kind of insane to have a game where you have, where you have 20 or so strikeouts like more than one time. Yeah. Like, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. I heard a guy on ESPN say he's the best pitcher in baseball. I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. And then we have another, probably one of the candidates for the best pitcher in baseball, right. Chris Sale for the, uh, for the Red Sox. He has, this number might not be too impressive, 1,716 strikeouts, but he's only 29. He is six years younger than Justin Verlander. But Scherzer is how you, how would you say Scherzer was? Scherzer is almost 34. He's right. 33, almost 34. So that's like four years, but I don't know. I feel like if you could get the stat on how many strikeouts Scherzer had when he was 29, yeah. then maybe I could compare Scherzer to Sale because that's what I was trying to gonna do, but like I don't. So I'll just, I'll just ask you this simple question. Right. Who will get more? Verlander or Max, in they're almost a year different. They played on the same team once, but I thought Verlander, when they played together, was a better pitcher. But Verlander's a little older. But I have to go with Scherzer. I I'm gonna stick with my what I said. Scherzer is the best pitcher in baseball. Okay, so Chris Sale and Justin Verlander. Verlander. Verlander will get more than Chris Sale. I'm a Tigers fan, but I, I can't put the bias. But I remember Verlander has that knockout fastball. His fastball is in the hundreds, and it's, it's oh god. You know what's amazing? I, I watch him pitch, and he'll be at 100 pitches, right? Sweat running down his face, high intensity, right? adrenaline pumping. And for his last pitch of the ball game, maybe he'll have already 110 pitches. He can crank it back and whip a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, 99 when he needs to, to punch a guy out. It is right. amazing to see. And he, for being at 35 years old, having so much experience, he is still – he changed himself. Remember? He used to be that power pitcher, 101, yeah. 100. Then he, was struggling then he had that time where he struggled, where he only throwing like 94, 95. And he had that really awful season. I remember he that. He did. And he was coming off injury. I think when he, I think that injury really shaped him. Because yeah. I think when he got injury, he realized, if I want to prolong my career, I'm going to have to change how I play. Absolutely. And so that's what he did. He kind of, he stopped kind of the power, and he kind of got more to a variety of pitches. And so that's why... That's why I saw um, – I was watching ESPN or SportsCenter or something, and I saw that that was the first time – it was, like, the first time in his Astros career that he had three-man, like, on base. Like, that yeah, was – Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's insane to me. I mean, I remember when he came over to the Astros after the trade deadline, he was um, he was bombing it, and I – oh, God. I just <laughs> – that was a hard trade for, to watch. But yeah. it was insane. I mean, I was, I was in awe that he was pitching this He well. was the sole reason – the Astros won the World Why Series. Why they won the World Series. Yeah, if, if that, was the, that was a clutch pickup for the Astros. They picked up Verlander, and, um, you know, they won the World Series. I think Verlander was – Verlander pitched the last, I think, games well, – how many games did that go? That one went all seven. Yeah, I think uh, Verlander pitched game seven, didn't he? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I would have to look that I one have, up. I don't know. But, but regardless, he was a huge contributor in right. the final game in the World Series. He pitched insane. Yeah. I, I just wa- – I watched that World Series – because, you know, my I don't know why, but my second favorite team, I'd say, is the Dodgers. But I watched that World Series, won the Dodgers to win, and I watched Verlander pitch, and it was kind of insane. He pitched amazing. Well, there you go. There you have it. We got three star pitchers in the league, and mm-hmm. we just kind of just recapped the whole thing. Yeah. And it was a pleasure. So that's baseball for you, everyone. Yeah.
All right. So tomorrow, I believe tomorrow. Tomorrow's July sixth, correct? Tomorrow is the uh, is the sixth. Yes. So ten years ago, tomorrow, Rafael Nadal. I'm gonna go back to ten. Go I ahead. Yeah. Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer played probably the greatest match ever at Wimbledon. At this point, let me give you a stat. Federer had won five five straight Wimbledons. To um yeah, Nadal had won four straight French Opens. Both of them are the like best on that Rising on their respective. Right there. Yeah, they that they were both the best on their respective surfaces. Federer could never beat Nadal on clay. Nadal couldn't beat Federer on grass. In two thousand eight, I think. Federer got demolished at the French Open. It was like, I don't know, I think it was like 6-1, Wow. That's like... Straight sets? It's straight set victory. He got demolished, and I think they were talking about that a lot. I've rewatched that match a lot because, you know, um, I've just... That's great tennis to watch. You yeah. Know? And Federer and Nadal, in my opinion, is the greatest rivalry of all times combined. They have 37 majors, which is... 37 wins? 37 majors. Wow. Which is just incredible. I mean... They're the two greatest players of all time. I mean, you can debate which is better, but I'm not going to debate that. Um, but yeah, you know me, I'll just say Andy Roddick right there. He's <laughs> shout out to him. He's my favorite. Go, this, Andy. This guy, this guy, he loves Roddick. I don't know why he loves Roddick. But you know what? It's that one time I played with him on your PS4 on that tennis game. Oh God! <laughs> I played with him one time. I lost, by the way. But you know, he's still my favorite player. There you go, Roddick. Good, yeah, good for Andy. you, buddy. Okay. You know what, Andy? I'll, I'll give you that. But. <laughs> But, you know, 10 years ago, tomorrow, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal played the long and the longest Wimbledon final at the time because the next year, Roddick and Federer would go on to play the longest final, but Roddick yeah, lost. Yeah. Roddick lost 16-14 to 14 in the fifth set, which Oof. is insane. Yeah, and tough. then Rafa and Federer played, I think, the, everyone calls that the greatest match ever because just the high intensity. It was, okay, I'm going to just give you a timeline. Last year, in, and this is from 2008, 2007, um, Roger and Rafa played at the Wimbledon final again. And, well, Rafa lost. He, I think, had uh, many chances to win the, the game, win the match in the fourth set. But he, but Federer fought off match point and then won it in the fifth set. I remember I read something saying that Rafa was crying in the locker room. Because really? he, he knew that that match was in his hands. But I think that really just showed of how great of a player Roger is on grass. And was, at the time, the best. I mean, he still is, I think, the greatest grass court player of all time. And... So then it was that it was 2008. Federer just got demolished at the French Open, and then Nadal went on to 2008 Wimbledon. Nadal won the first two sets, six four six four, catching a break. Then uh, Federer came back. It was six four six four. I think everyone thought Nadal was going to win the match. Federer comes back. It's he wins in two tie breaks. He wins two tie breaks. It's seven six seven six in the um, third and fourth sets. And I think I think Nadal was probably thinking, I don't want to, you know do what I did last year and lose the match once again after, you know, having a chance to win it. I think he had match points in the tiebreak, but he just couldn't capitalize. Getting so close, you know, that's the toughest when you're that close, right? but you can't seal the deal. Right. And then in the fifth set, you know, Nadal, Nadal came out, I think he got a break, and then 9-8, it was an advantage, it was a deuce point, he was serving for the match, and he took it. And that match, I think... I think it was most memorable because there's a lot of rain delays and uh, yeah. the rain delays affected. It was like nine. I think they were they weren't gonna if the match had prolonged, they would have had to they would have had to continue on to uh, the next day. the next day. Yeah, because at the time there was no roof on the main court in England that they have now, so they can go. I think the curfew is like ten English time, 
And um, so Nadal won, and I think I remember he was like, it was Federer still won in the world, but I think that match kind of proved at the point that Nadal was really catching up to Federer. You know, I'm just amazed with your memory. Like, I could never remember all that. And, you know, even being, like, to be honest, I, I like tennis, but I'm not watching right. it every day. I'm not watching it, like, every chance that I get. Just listening to this, it it literally just opens my eyes and it gives me so much insight into a sport that I like to play but don't watch. So this is a wonderful thing. And for people listening, just to get little nitpicks and just little pieces of information about all these different uh, sports is just wonderful. You know, I like doing I like bringing a little fact to the dinner table. Right. Like, hey, Dad, do you know this? Hey, Mom, do, have you ever heard of this? So I think sports, that's really special. Sports is something that's been special all my life. And that's kind of the reason I wanted to do this. I mean... I wanted to do, in my life, I wanted to do something related to sports. Maybe maybe that won't happen, and if it doesn't, then, you know what, this is fine. But, you know, yeah. sports is something I wanted to do in my life. And, you know, every sport is, you know, something I'll watch or I'll even, like, if anything. Like, really, I tell people, like, the only TV channel I need to live is ESPN. Because <laughs> I can just, yeah, it's really, that's all I need. And certain sports I like more than others, but I don't hate a sport. I can't hate a sport. No. I can. And put I it this can, way, even if every sport is a great thing to participate in. And if you don't participate in a sport, I highly recommend finding just something that Parents. you... Exactly. Just finding something. It's great exercise. You're never too old to play sports. I mean, my dad always says, like, I, my dad all the time says, um, I'm like, hey, you want to go play tennis? He's like, no, my knees can't handle tennis anymore. But I think any type of sport or any type of activity is um, vital. Yes. And I think if you're a parent, you should... I, I'm 100% when I'm older I don't care what my kids is, They're going to be signed up for sport It's just good, even if Good for you I mean Big thumbs good, up It's good physical activity I mean it's to get outside And it gives you that team aspect exactly. I see so many kids Who are just thinking Me, me, me This for right. me But when you're in a team It's This is for us yeah. We are a group We need to join together Like in basketball on You know this You play, I play If You can't have one person Just doing all the work Yep. It, it has to be a team effort, and you can only win as a team, but you can lose individually. Truthfully, yep. you can win, and, lose individually. And, you know, honestly, even though the Warriors are stacked, I mean, in the 2014 season when they weren't as, like, you know, stacked as they were, when they won their first title, the reason they won was just ball movement. They moved the ball, the, I think, the best I've ever seen a team move the ball. They move the ball, they swing it, and they shoot the ball really well. That's why they won, and they had good depth, but it was the teamwork that they had on that team. And sports is really just a way that you can even make friends. Like, if you maybe, let's just say you move somewhere. I mean, this is really cliche, but you move somewhere and you don't have any friends. Like, you know, hey, like, join a sport. Because if you join that's a, a great That's a great join, point. If you join a sport, like, I mean, I moved, but I didn't move to a point where, like, I couldn't see other people, my other friends. But, like, I know people who move, like, say, from state to state or even from, like, to a different country. That, like, but, like, really, I think sports is really just a way for people to interconnect. And let me just tell everyone this, like... I did not play basketball really much in my youth. Not really in my youth. I, I just I think when I was in sixth grade I got a basketball hoop and I really only just shot the ball outside, maybe just my dad's like, Hey, let let's play a game of pig. But like really I never took it seriously. And then it came in seventh grade where I wanted to try out for the basketball team and really I never played before. I just really just shot the ball a few times outside and I was like, you know, Dad, I don't know if I can really do this. He's like, Ethan, just believe in yourself, give it all you got, and just 
have fun, right? Be respectful. Right. And this, I'm just saying this because you can do whatever you set your mind to. I gave it my all, tried hard. I tried to be really respectful, really classy. And you know what? I ended up making the team. And I Both played years. for two years. <laughs> I had a great time. I met so many new friends. And this just shows you that you can do whatever you set your mind to and just really just... Sadly, I didn't make that team. But you know, yeah, Anj, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, this podcast, um, the, re- the way I got the idea is I was listening to a great podcast by one of my favorite YouTubers, Casey Neistat. Um, their, their podcast, I think it was on this app. It was called, it's like called Couples Therapy, where they basically just talk about their like marriage and stuff. Even though I'm really young, it's kind of funny <laughs> to me. I'm definitely not talking about yeah, marriage. No, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny to me because they have problems and they solve it. But... Yeah, I remember I was listening, and at the end of the podcast, like, you can make your own podcast, and that really clicked in my mind, and the first idea I had was, I have to do this, like, no matter what, maybe, maybe, like, I have to do this, like, there's no way I can't not do it, and also, I listen to podcasts a lot, like, at um, the school we go to, it's like, there's a lot of walking that we have to do from class to class, and I'll so, tell you, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of walking. So I always, you know, had the earbuds in and, you know, music, you can listen to music, but a podcast is something that you're, you have to interactively listen to. And like, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I listen to my favorite podcast, Jill and Jacoby, and their sports knowledge is, I can use that in arguments with my friends. Like their knowledge is amazing. And I agree with some of the points and I disagree. Debates. We try not to argue. Yeah. Argue. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, this podcast really, it's a great idea. I hope it does. I hope this does something, but because, you know, I want to be a journalist. You know, being a journalist is something that I want to be. I want to strive to do yeah. that in my life. If you aspire to do it, do something to help you get there. Right. This will help you in the future. And, you know, I'm not going to say this might be a success or not. Yeah. I'm not. But to be honest, I don't really I'm having that. a great time talking Talk. about sports, something that we can both engage with and both connect with. And this is just something really special. And even if one person listens... And maybe learn something or maybe can engage with us and maybe feel like they have someone that they can just listen to when they're not having a good time or listen to when they're bored. Mm-hmm. That would be something really special. That would be something special for me especially. All right. I'm going to go into the little – I'm going to just do one thing, pop culture. There you go. All Let's right. do it. Jump Drake into it. released his new album called Scorpion. Oh, don't get me started on rap, Aunt. You know me, but Whatever. I'll listen. Whatever. But Drake's new album, Scorpion. I don't know. I liked it personally. I know a lot of people that didn't like it, that listened to it. They, they said it was kind of like a homework assignment to listen to it. Yeah. I don't know. Because I heard someone say it's like he pre-released all the good songs on the album, but then when the album came, it was like that. It was the crap. Yeah. Right? So, I hear you. Yeah. I don't know. Ethan, what do you listen to? Um, You know, I'm a big rock and roll fan. Yeah. Rock and roll, occasional country, you know. Just music that... I like music that has just meaning to it like legitimate lyrics when i listen to rap music i dive into the lyrics and i just hear so much uh so much hate so much like not influential material you know i get it maybe like to drop the beat or whatever i don't know what you what you want to call it i always say ethan you're a 40 year old man trapped in a 15 year old's body you know i i can live with that i can live a 14 year old or 15 year old I don't know how old you are. You're one year old. Well, me, thank right? you. That means I look young. Yeah, whatever. My complexion. <laughs> yeah, see, you're a forty year you're a forty year old man inside fifteen year old kid's body. Well, you know what I'll say about this, Anj? This was a great experience, and I hope we can do this again real soon. Yeah, it was fun. And if you and if you want to listen, our podcast is called EA Sports. Please 
leave a thumbs up. I don't really know how Anchor works when it comes to likes and stuff, but yeah, Anchor is a great it's a great thing. You can make your own podcast, which is amazing, and that's how we found out about this. And, yes, you know, hopefully we can definitely do this again 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 someday. We, we will absolutely. We will. Yeah, this this is. I don't know, like the schedule. Eventually, we'll figure that out. How um, often we release. But, and we're going to bring some of our friends on as guests, kind of just to change it up a little bit, get yeah. some new insights. I know we have a friend, Adam, who's a great football mind. We have a friend named Chris, who's a great soccer mind. Yeah. So we can really bring some new sports and um, kind of... Yeah, I don't think we talked about football once. <laughs> you know, I really... It's not really football season, but... It isn't really football season. I'm not really right. the best mind of football either. Yeah. I could give some opinions, but like the kneeling thing, I can get all into that, but I'm not going oh, to. Oh, Jesus, don't even get me no, started. No, I won't. <laughs> But I could get into some points there about football, maybe some of the new draft picks, some of the players. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right. I'm not really football-minded in that way. So, but. All right. I guess uh, this is it. So we'll, we'll get you, catch you guys next time on the EA Sports Podcast. Thank you.